0: Hi, this is Karina Ganters, host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. And welcome to another episode of Behind the Pen. I am your host, Queen Agantus. I'm an award winning author with 14 books, award winning filmmaker. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber. I host the Author Assist show on the Artist First radio network, and I also run Author Assist, which helps authors with their publishing, marketing, and everything in between. Today, my guest is Marie. Meganu. See, I have to read it because I was going to say it wrong. Welcome to the show, Marie.
1: Oh, thank you so much for hosting me.
0: Now, you have two things I want to talk about, but we're going to talk about your book first. So I normally ask my guests, what do you use your pen for? But I've just gone and told them that you're an author, and you have written a book called The Chocolate Pilgrim. Now, when I first thought of that title, Pilgrim, you think of an enlightening walk, a religious uh, pathway, uh, a route to do with religion and churches, but chocolate? And where did the chocolate come from? So tell me, Marie, what is Chocolate Pilgrim all about?
1: Well, I'll give you the thumbnail version. Um. In 2009, I walked the Camino de Santiago across northern Spain with my husband and our adult son, which is a pilgrim route. Um, And the way, like, so we're walking and provisioning for ourselves and our lunches every day. When I would go into grocery stores, I started looking at the quality of good chocolate, which I am a bit addicted to, and I discovered that Spain has a lot of really good chocolate producers. So on the way, I just started looking for Spanish dark chocolate, and in my journal, I have an entry that says the next time I do this walk, I'm going to do it looking for the best quality chocolate I can find along the way. So it wasn't what I intended to do when I first started the walk but it became this fun way to entertain myself while I was on the journey.
0: So is it just dark chocolate you like or do you like milk chocolate as well?
1: Oh sad to say I do not enjoy milk chocolate it's all the dark.
0: See I'm totally the opposite I can't eat dark it's just too rich for me. Yeah it's so interesting it's like people are usually either or and then there's
1: of the chocolate that I go to, like 85%, and then anything more than that, like 90, 95%, that's too dark. So there's sort of this balance, right? Of where I'm aiming, I'm pretty specific about what I go for. Uh-huh.
0: So, can you remember any of the names of the, your favorite so we can give them a shout out?
1: You know, I can't that was such a long time ago. And there was a point where I had saved the wrappers of the ones that I love the best. Uh, I did a purge a while ago. And those were some of the things that I let go. Oh, no. Yes, that I
0: still have been... my pilgrim passport, but I let go of all the little
1: That would have been lovely
0: and... inside the book. You could have done like little <laughs> pictures of them in, and put them inside the book. Do you have any, uh, I have to, to, pardon me. I
1: just have to go back into another walk is all it is. Exactly, exactly. (laughs)
0: Uh, Or just go over to Barcelona and try and find the chocolate again. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, really. Barcelona is beautiful. I had a wonderful, magical time with my daughter. The, the houses over there are just, Mm. there's one place that's a tourist site and all the houses like are made of tiles Mm -hmm. my daughter called it gingerbread city
1: oh beautiful Uh,
0: we went there one day to walk around but when we looked how high the walk was how many steps and that I have a problem with have disability and I couldn't do it I Mm. said to her you know we'll go this is the only place she wanted to go in the three days we were there I said so we'll go and she was like no mummy, I won't let's go somewhere else I thought oh bless her that's so cute. So I took her to an amusement park. We went on roller coasters and everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lovely. nice. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, Spain, the only time I've seen Spain is city wise. But you've been out there in the out, what we call the outbacks, the, the outland. I mean, what was it like out there uh, among the trees and, and vineyards and what have you?
1: Well, I happen to love that kind of terrain, the more like especially for um, like what I would call getting away from city life Mm -hmm. Um, and the terrain was really a much more more varied than I expected. So initially, the start of the route, we crossed over the Pyrenees Mountains um, and we were used to uh, hiking a lot in the Rocky Mountains. So that's the highlight of being able to do the high route. Uh, walking through vineyards in Spain it was like um and it was in the spring so we were watching every day like the the grape vine starting to leaf out a little bit and new flowers coming out so uh, it was just kind of an exciting opportunity to watch almost slowed down time and see how spring would emerge in that country and there were uh different areas like we would cross into a new zone basically and there would be places where it was more like vegetable farming and we'd be walking by what looked like a kale jungle because the kale plants would grow so high and (laughs) then there were these asparagus fields and then by the time we got to Galicia it seemed like everyone was growing potatoes so and lots of small farms and old tractors like and some of the Camino Trail actually went through people's farms like the trail is so ancient that there it's not completely forested with no habitation. It's not like that, but it's like the it's part of people's daily life. And just that we could walk through someone's uh, farm basically and by the barn and wave to the farmer and they Aww. and people were always so respectful of us as pilgrims. It was so incredible. I felt so respected. You know, like for us, when somebody comes to our property, I think, oh, it's an intruder, mm. but they're just honoring us doing what we are doing. It was amazing.
0: Was there a lot of people on the trail when you did your walk?
1: Yes, there was. Um, we went in the spring thinking there would be fewer people. And yes, there's fewer people in the spring, but a lot by our standards. And in July and August, even more so. And each year, more and more people we're choosing to do the walk. Now, COVID changed a lot of that, but the numbers are returning back to the former numbers. So at one point, oh, I don't know, well over 400,000 people a year are doing the Camino, like in a year when everything's open. Yeah.
0: Wow, that is, is, that's a lot. I mean, I can imagine the flat land with the vineyards and that, you're not going to just go through the flat. Yeah. I mean, you said that you climbed a mountain at the beginning. So you've got all other, the...
1: Yeah. And there were other, two other ranges that we went over and they always had high routes. And for us, because the weather was good uh, while we were doing our journey, we were able to do the high routes every time. And for me, that's something I absolutely love. Not everyone does. Going going up uh... Yeah. But we, we chose the high routes whenever there was an option. We crossed two other ranges and then there were times when it was more into forest um so there was a, a surprising amount of variety and on the camino even though it looked like it was relatively little elevation gain and there was still a lot of up and down so you know, we had these guidebooks that would show us a, a side view, a three-dimensional view of our elevation gain and loss. And it wouldn't look like much, but when you're walking it, it's a different story. Doesn't
0: it, doesn't it get to your chest, you know, the height and you have problems breathing? How high did you get up?
1: You know, I don't remember the actual elevation. At that point in time, in 2009, none of us had any health challenges, so we were able to do it. Because we were fit, we were used to, you know, going into alpine terrain and that. My husband would not be able to do that walk now. So I'm grateful we did it when we did.
0: Exactly, exactly. This is what I I say to people, you know, you don't know what's going to happen the next day. You've just got to see as much as you can, experience as much as you can, do as much as you can. And and enjoy life and and don't uh, take it so seriously, you know, because it's, it's it's not you shouldn't it's it's a gift and you should uh, you should love and, and treasure that gift but mm-hmm. um what made you pick that trail out of all the trails that you could go in Spain out of all the trails you could go around the world what was it about that one in particular
1: it just there's something about it like I first read about it in a in a brochure advertising all these different walks and treks you could do with a particular company and for some reason I can't even really it's one of those um, yeses you know I don't know if you ever felt this but for me I get these body yeses where I see something it was a description of a walk in northern Spain The Camino de Santiago ancient pilgrim trail la 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 and I just felt my whole body go yes that was 10 years before we actually did the walk and it was just there in my mind and it kept circling around and I was finally in a position where I could say to my husband you know what I because we you know our means were limited while we were raising our kids and they were younger but we had more disposable income Mm -hmm. to do a trip to Europe and I said to him, You know, I really want to do this. And he said, You know, I've been interested in this walk too. But we had never actually talked with each other oh, about it until oh. I brought it up. So that, that was, a, was that was that was a sign. Oh my gosh. It really was. And our son just really likes hiking and walking. And so when we said that we were going on the Camino, he just said, Well, can I come? Of course. And then we invited our daughter who said no, her idea of a good time is not walking long distances with a pack on her back. So I created a blog and I just sent her like daily messages oh, where I could get nice. to the internet stuff. Yeah.
0: So how old is your daughter? Pardon
1: me? How old is your daughter? Oh, now she's 33. At the time she was uh, 19.
0: Hmm. And and your, your son at the time was 22. 22. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how did you get along? I mean, how long was this walk for? I'm thinking a few weeks. We walked
1: for 32 days. Um, yeah. And uh, we we learned a lot about each other and how to travel well on the journey. But there were certainly what I call sandpaper moments. Uh, <laughs> and it's a good thing that our son was with us because I was also having real uh I would stay in my marriage or not and there were times where I got really upset with my husband but because my son was with us he was like a mediator or a moderator of the nasty things I might have said if it was just my husband and I on our own and it was over the course of the walk that I started to shift my whole perspective on my relationship with my husband and where I focused my attention which is on instead of looking on what bothered me or what I didn't like, I started to really look for what what was working. I actually can credit our son to saving my marriage because honestly, if I'd been on my own, I might've walked away and said, I'm on my own now after day five.
0: Did you have problems with your marriage before you even started the walk?
1: There were things that we never talked about. It was almost like we dealt with things by not talking about the hard things. I and, hear you on that.
0: <laughs> and so by, the end of the walk,
1: by the end of the walk, what I said to my husband is, look, I really love the person you are, but there's ways we are, uh, we've come to be together that aren't working anymore. So being respectful with each, with each other and also being honest. So when there's something hard that I want to talk about or I need to talk about, I'm going to, we need to find ways to be able to do that. And so we both made a commitment and our marriage has been, um, just improving ever since.
0: That's wonderful. Oh it's oh but that's a spoiler alert because I
1: don't know if I'm staying in the marriage. You gotta read the book to find
0: out (laughs) whether it's true or (laughs) not. But it it sounds like it was a very enlightening experience going on. It was. It truly was. And you'd recommend that for anybody who enjoys the walk in. Oh, for
1: anyone who enjoys walking any, I mean, there, like you said, there are so many walk possibilities in Europe and they're well supported. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd say, yeah, like, honestly, I said to my husband at the end of the community, everything and walk. And his response was, I need a home. So.
0: (laughs) Did you know it was going to take that long? We had,
1: yeah, we had a plan. Um, You have to read the book to read the sort of details about what unfolded but yes we we had an idea we had a limited number of days to actually do the walk because at the end of our time walking our son needed to get to barcelona in order to be part of a tournament
0: oh right
1: and so we did have a time constraint that made us that shaped our decision making on the way
0: that's good that you had that time limit and you you had yeah. to, then you couldn't go deviate off the plan because of your son having to do that. That's good that that happened. What was your best experience about going on that? Uh, not not about the enlightening bit, just something that you remember so well about that trip.
1: I mean, there was a lot of things, but pr- like in terms of just being in that environment and loving walking and loving where I was, There was a high route that we did uh, about two-thirds of the way along, like, almost toward uh, Santiago. And we had perfect weather. We took a high route. Everybody else is taking the low route. And it was just us on the trail and blue sky and up high and amazing view. I just, I don't know. I just get so excited when I'm in that kind of terrain. And it was like a whole day of nothing but feeling incredibly grateful and energized by where I was. I felt so connected to the land and the trail and the people that I was with. It was like just complete bliss.
0: I was going to say, did you feel more um, closer with your family at that time as well?
1: Yeah, by then I certainly did. We'd worked challenges the ways that we irritated each other and so much of our walk toward the end was in silence like people talk about doing the camino in three stages so the first stage is almost like you're all excited and you're talking a lot and you're meeting other pilgrims on the way and the second one is you're working really hard and you're tired and you're hurting and then the third stage is you're just into more contemplation and so that part of the walk where i said i was blissed out for the day that was into the contemplation part i wasn't hurting i was was and I was loving like just being with these people but in silence
0: wow that sounds absolutely amazing I don't know if I could do a walk like well I couldn't now I mean if I was younger and able to do it I don't know if it would be something I'd I'd want to do or enjoy but it does sound like an amazing experience so let's talk about adventures in writing because you wrote to Chocolate Pilgrim, I think, 2019. 2017 is when the book 2017. Published. And yes. you haven't bought out another book yet. What's no, going on?
1: I've been busy supporting other writers to write their books. <laughs> so I started Adventures in Writing about the time that I had sent my manuscript off to the editors for final editing and getting ready to print. And I just found the whole experience of my memoir and and getting it like actually deciding to share my experience with an audience. um, It was so life transforming for me that I wanted other people to have that experience as well. So I decided that I would uh, start a business using the process, the writing process that it's supporting me to create the manuscript, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And it's such an amazing uh, process, writers that has built up uh, through what I've been doing. But it has meant that I haven't devoted as much energy to my own.
0: Tell me about it. When when you're yeah. working, when you're working to help people, when you you're using your time to help others, authors. Both of us are in the same uh, same kind of uh, work. Um, it, it leaves very little time for you to, to write, to edit, to read. You know, you just, I try and keep the weekends free, but then um, I've got something that I didn't do in the week that needs to be done. So I do it in the weekend. That means I haven't got time for writing. I've started joining these little sprints now on Facebook where mm. everyone just stops what they're doing, gets their manuscript out, we're all on camera, 20 minutes on the clock we do our work we come back on camera each of us tells how we did if we were stuck we need help um, how many words we got done finish that chat back for another 20 minutes and it's so wonderful because yeah. you writing is a lonely business but when you're doing it in a group like that it just makes it it makes you write it really helps you write
1: it's incredibly energizing. And so there's a number of different ways that I support writers. And one of them is offering what I call creative focus sessions, where we come together, it's an hour, but everyone just comes with their project. We introduce them at the beginning and then people just do their thing for the 55 minutes or whatever, come back, say what we did, and then that's the end of it. And there's something incredibly energizing about coming together with others who have brought a project to work on and they're doing it for the hour
0: yeah it's um the the sprints i'm in you got 20 or 30 minutes but i said to the organizer i said there's no way i would have finished this novel if it weren't for the sprints because they're forcing me to write but i'm enjoying it at the same time it's fun it's really fun it really is so what else do you do with adventures in writing
1: um well i have a number of different ways that i support writers but one of the things i love to do is uh facilitate small group writing circles where for people who just want to check out the process i have a introductory level called step into your story it's a five-week program we get together and people learn the the writing process and how and part of what I do is we're not just writing together but we also read aloud some of our pieces and receive feedback from the others in the group um and the feedback there's a feedback process that's very particular that everyone is trained in so that we learn how to respond to each other Mm. in ways that are encouraging rather than critical that's a big piece of what happens in our circles step into your story is about building that base of being able to see the beauty and hear the beauty of your own words if people stay writing with me we move to another level of the feedback process which is about are there gaps where was i Missing. I'm curious about, but there's still ways that we give that feedback that is encouraging and it doesn't cut people down. Yeah. So learning how to do that with each other. And then that way, even if they get unskillful feedback out there in the world, they're They're strong enough in their own writing to work with it.
0: I love that. I and love that.
1: Like when I, when I had my manuscript, I worked with an editor to begin with, and she started out by giving me all the red marks on the page. I and,
0: know it I, to to,
1: I know this is your role, but can you at least give me a few things that are also strong so that I can balance out your, the critical things with something that's still working? So we developed a working relationship. So there's ways that people can still learn how to give feedback that leaves the writer's uh, confidence intact. We don't don't have to crush each other in this
0: process. No, exactly. Exactly. No, I like that. Building, Building people up, but also letting them know what it's like outside in the real world so they're ready for it. Um, I have
1: a download that I've created for people on my website called the writing feedback guidebook, which is for people who like very often when we're writing, we want to be able to let say family members or friends who are curious, have a look at something. Mm -hmm. Well, before you give somebody in outside of your writing circle, for example, something to read, here's some things that you can tell them that will help them help your family members or friends give you feedback. That's going to be helpful. And so, uh, popular download i have on my website and i just think it's really important
0: are you giving that for free did you say yeah
1: yeah it's a free download on everybody, my
0: website everybody <laughs> anybody who's <laughs> an author uh, want to be author nearly published thinking about being published pop over to uh what's your website my honey
1: it's my it's my name
0: dot com, and download that pdf it's one of those things that you really need in your toolkit We call that toolkit.
1: I put my website name in the chat.
0: It's going to be right down with the feature as well as a link to your wonderful book. So people can go and check that out. Um, Okay. Where can people find you on social media, Marie? I have a Facebook page, Adventures in
1: Writing. Uh I have an Instagram account as well and the next thing I'm going to do is uh start using Pinterest more and setting up reels. So those are the main social media things.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, well Thank you so much for being a guest on Behind the Pen. I wish you all the best with Adventures in Writing. And I wish you the best with the second book, because I know it will be coming out soon. You're 2023 not... is my uh, year. I we go. Yeah. That's it. That's okay, what I like to hear. You. Thank you. All <laughs> the best. Bye for now.